You're listening to the Mental Housekeeping Podcast, Episode 8. Welcome to the Mental Housekeeping Podcast. Join me every week for new insights on what can be keeping you from living the life that you want and what you can do about it. And I'm your host, Tina Kalamanis. Hey there, welcome back to Mental Housekeeping Podcast with me, your host, Tina Kay. And a little disclaimer, my voice is totally off. I'm not sick or anything. I just love drinking this spicy lemonade drink that I make. And there's cayenne in it. And the cayenne actually burnt out my throat completely where I completely lost my voice yesterday. And I'm still recovering from it. This has never actually happened before, but eh, fuck it, who cares? doesn't really matter. Show must go on. Let's just get into it. Have you ever had a moment where you got called out on your crap and it turned out to be the biggest aha moment that ended up changing your whole entire life in an instant? I'm going to tell you a little story of how that happened to me when I got really cocky in one of my therapy sessions. This was years ago, back in spring of 2009, when I went into therapy for the first time ever. Just like my voice, this story just cracks me up. I was a couple of months into my psychotherapy sessions, and the road that got me into therapy in the first place stemmed from a massive 10-month-long breakdown that took me all the way to rock bottom. And there, you only have two choices, seek help or die. I obviously chose the former, and if I hadn't, well, and if you're feeling that way, please seek some help. So there I was, feeling Every single negative emotion that I had bottled up inside from a very young age up until that point, which was my early 30s. I mean, the emotional floodgates burst open and I had no idea how to handle it. I mean, no fucking clue. I had no skills before or after the breakdown on how to process all my internal issues, any of my trauma, any of my multiple near-death experiences, all of my years of deep depression layered with a massive amount of anger that my unconscious mind decided to upload all at the same time. I was a bloody mess. Oh, and on top of it all, my mother died. It was actually my mother's death that triggered all the emotions to rise up. My unconscious mind decided that now was the safe time for me to deal with everything that I had buried for all those years because I'm more of an all or nothing kind of girl. Even though my mother and I didn't have a great relationship, actually, to be honest, we had no relationship other than an abusive one. And her dying actually sparked my journey into healing. And when I say sparked, I really mean I crashed and blew up in flames. Just like those old 80s movies with the car driving off the cliff only to explode when it hits the bottom. Yeah, that was me. And to add to it, I was a mess at work. Some of you may already know that I used to work in television for many years before doing NLP and hypnosis full-time. And that time, I was working in post-production on multiple TV shows all at once. It was really, really busy. In spite of it all, I did my job, and I did it very well because I worked really hard to manage everything in my life with my high Virgo-like standards. And I actually didn't take any time off after my mother's funeral. The funeral was Saturday and I was back at work on Monday. So here I am 
completely overworked and super stressed at work and having to deal with all of my unresolved issues. I tried pushing him down, but that wasn't working anymore. In fact, actually, that was making me feel even worse. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take feeling so angry and sad all the time. And to be fair, it was probably stressing out all the people around me, especially at work. I dissed getting any help like therapy for a long time. And let me tell you, those who diss getting any kind of help are the ones who need it the most. Oh, and on another note, I used to diss self-help all the time. Yeah, here I am. So I started therapy and I had no clue what to expect. I have never talked to anyone about what I've gone through and what I was currently going through in my life. I only had the shove everything down strategy. That one I perfected. And honestly, I didn't even know where to start. I, how do I even intellectualize all of it because I didn't understand it and I was just overwhelmed by it. One thing I did understand and was really obvious to everyone was how angry I was. Man, I was so angry that I would have made the Incredible Hulk hide in the corner crying like a damn baby. I'm going to do another episode specifically on anger. It seems to be fitting because it feels like everyone in this world is so angry these days. And you may also be struggling with those feelings of anger. It's a complicated emotion. One actually does serve to help you and can destroy you at the same time. It was also the very thing that really took my father's life. So stay tuned for that one. By now, I'm a few months into my psychotherapy sessions. Stories of my past traumas are coming out. I'm receiving lots of insights. I'm crying. My therapist is crying. I'm making total progress. Honestly, getting rid of my anger was really what I wanted to get out of therapy. And it really helped that my therapist was really great and lucky for me that she was also trained in neuro-linguistics programming, NLP. And that's how I got inspired to get trained in NLP. It's kind of like therapy slash personal development magic because it focuses on how thoughts and behavior is created. And there you can interrupt those patterns and change them in minutes. And being someone who's really, really impatient, this was perfect for me. But there was this one therapy session where I became super confident. My body even sat up straighter than usual while the corners of my mouth started forming a huge smile, all from some insight I got. I don't even remember what the hell it was, but it inspired me to say something that was so rooted and completely enriched in bullshit. With pride, I said to my therapist, you know... It's a good thing that I don't have an addictive personality or I'd be an alcoholic or a drug addict by now. Then I looked up to her expecting some sort of validation. She just listened, didn't even flinch at any of my words, then deadpanned a response that flipped my world upside down. Now my body's frozen, smile completely wiped off my face, and I looked like a deer in headlights as my therapist grabbed my statement and pulled it up from the roots to reveal all the bullshit it was made from. She said, no, you're just addicted to control. I sat there, silent, dumbfounded, as she just interrupted my thought pattern. Oh, the magic of NLP. My brain scrolled through all the times I tried 
excessively tried to control everything. And I mean everything, whether it was at home or at work, it didn't matter. I was investing, well, really wasting a lot of my energy and trying to make what was happening on the outside the way that I thought it needed to be. So my mind was racing and my body felt it all again. I was just tired. On top of that, I had mixed up my self-worth through the pattern of control that I was so strong, independent, and capable, which I am, but it was mixed up in a destructive pattern. And getting called out on the control issues was the moment that changed everything for me. And it really just takes one moment. And I'm sure you probably had moments like that in your life as well. Okay, so where does this need for control come from? For me, it all stemmed from growing up in a very unstable home. My mother was an emotional raging vampire that you'd unknowingly trigger when least expected, and it was quite often. My father, on the other hand, was mainly an emotional zombie and a ticking time bomb that you'd set off if you interrupted his patience. My whole shove everything down and not feel strategy was inspired by my father, and that's where I learned it from. And I was also a ticking time bomb with my breakdown being the ultimate emotional bomb. When there's instability in your life, it's scary and our minds actually go into fight or flight mode. Our survival instincts kick in. The point is to not live in that mode your whole entire life. My parents failed to get that memo and I would have missed it as well if I didn't receive it by way of an emotional breakdown. And I've said it before, the unconscious mind in the universe will create whatever it needs to in order for you to get to the next point in your life. And I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't been through what I have. When you're in an unstable environment, you're always on guard, hypervigilant to increase your senses, and that may increase your anxiety levels as well. You're always on the lookout for what could go wrong. This is you in some kind of mental war, doing all that you can to avoid tripping any emotional landmines. That was pretty much my life in a nutshell. Even back in school, I'd like to sit in the back of the class, and the worst was when I had to sit in the front of the class if the seating was assigned. I wanted to be at the back so I could see everything so I can assess any possible threat. Because at home, I always felt threatened. Maybe for some of you, that was your home life as well. And if you didn't experience that growing up, no worries. You're experiencing it now to some degree. Fear sells and the media definitely focuses on how unstable the world is. Stories keep showing up of how much our personal, emotional, financial, and our well-being is so insecure. And then it's usually followed by an advertisement that promises to keep us safe from harm. So just be aware of that. Control is all about having power over something to dominate it. If you can control something, then you can't fear it. It can't hurt you. But you have fear running in order to fuel the controlling behavior. It's just an endless tiresome loop that just turns you into a control freak. So what does a control freak really look like? Here are nine controlling things that people do. Number one, a language that leaves no room for deviation like constantly saying how much you should, you ought to, you need to, you have to, you have to make sure. Number two, giving unsolicited advice to someone else with the same controlling words like, you need to do this. Most likely it's, 
you need to do this. Trust me, that's what I would do. Stay away from anyone who says that. Number three, constantly focused on a possible problem or problems that might happen in any situation and you've already planned out how to avoid any of them. Like, if I don't do this, then that might go wrong and I'll have to deal with that. And if that becomes a problem, I'll have to do this instead. Blah, blah, blah. Complete endless cycle. Number four, not accepting help or God forbid, depending on someone else to do something. So instead, you'll just do everything yourself because you'll make sure that it gets done and done right. Because only your way is definitely the right way. And number five, and if by some miracle, someone actually does do something for you, you can't stop thinking or needing to know how they're going to do it because you may know a better or faster way. And number six, or possibly step into help who's ever doing something for you with constructive criticism that really just tells them how to do it your way. Number seven, you can dish the so-called constructive criticism, but not take it because that's like you did something wrong. And if you have a history of abuse, then doing anything wrong actually makes you a target. And that leads us to number eight. There's no room for error. So you spend so much of your time and energy to make sure that everything is done the so-called right way in order to avoid any possible backlash or criticism. This also includes never admitting that you've changed your mind about anything because that's like admitting that you were wrong. Lastly, number nine, getting irritated if anyone throws a wrench in your ironclad plans, like someone showing up late and having to wait for them or not having things start on time. I can just imagine some of my former coworkers are listening and saying, um, that was so you. And yeah, that was me for the longest time. And I had so much unresolved negative emotions fueling all of it. I was really intense before I had that cut the bullshit moment in therapy. How about you? Any of that sound familiar? And if you still feel the need to control things, then really control everything. Like don't half-ass it. Next time, why don't you just get up early in the morning before sunrise and try and control the sun from rising. Every time you try to control what someone else does or says or how something shows up in your life, you'll have as much success as trying to control the sun. Here's the bottom line. Control freaks, and remember I was one of them, really suck at actually controlling things. They are the bloody worst when you really look at it. Because the one thing that is in your control and exists only for you to control, you can't do it. Control freaks can't control their emotions, especially the fear surrounding the whole need to act controlling. And shoving your emotions down so you don't have to feel them isn't controlling them in any way. Staying in survival mode won't allow you to feel your emotions in a healthy manner. So please just avoid doing what I did for so many years. I actually witnessed firsthand the ramifications of that by watching both my parents kill themselves slowly over the years because they never stopped living in survival mode. Now, no one will live up to your standards and rules, and you aren't on this planet to live up to anyone else's either. And I guarantee you're going to end up clashing with other control freaks. 
I know, I've been there. But here's the thing. You don't really need to give up being a control freak. You just have to get good at it by controlling your emotions, especially fear. And here's all you need to know. After my aha moment in therapy, I went back to work, which was the main source of my triggers and fed my need for control. Working in television was quite unstable and very unpredictable. Problems sparked up constantly. The question was, how was I going to deal with it now? Especially since I only knew how to deal with instability through anger-fueled control. But once I was aware of the unconscious pattern and why I was acting that way, the pattern got interrupted and I couldn't do the control the same way as I did before, which was trying to get everything and everyone to behave the way I wanted it to. So here I was, still in an unstable, unpredictable environment. I realized that that environment wasn't really a threat. Yeah, I felt threatened when I was a kid, but I'm not in that environment anymore. Life's different now and can be treated differently. The major difference came when I learned that in every situation that comes up, no matter who it is or what's involved, you always have two choices. Just like when I hit rock bottom, I still had two choices. So for you control freaks out there, you can either choose to react or to respond to things. Reacting. The word even means repeating action, acting the same way over and over again, And do you really believe and expect a different result is going to come from acting the same way over and over again? All the focus is outside of yourself and is completely rooted in fear, and that can lead into major control issues. Remember that emotions and logic don't operate from the same part of the mind. In order to respond to things, you have to keep your emotions in check and stay rational. When you respond to things... You're doing the opposite of reacting by taking responsibility, which creates more options to handle unstable situations more effectively. When you choose to respond to a situation, you're choosing to look at what's happening on the outside from the inside, meaning everything you're experiencing on the outside has to do with what's going on within you. There's no blame and there's no giving away your power by reacting to a situation that comes up. It's all about taking responsibility for your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions that keep you out of fear mode and put you more in control of your life. The word responsibility means ability to respond. And from this former control addict, responding can better influence things outside of you, which is all you can do. And that'll make your life so much easier. And that's being a control freak the right way. And if you want to get the tools to become a healthy control freak when it comes to your thoughts, your emotions, and your behavior, then stay tuned for a special announcement on my next NLP training in the fall. Thank you so much for listening and bearing through the cracking of my voice. Anyway, if you love this episode and want to support the podcast, then share it with your friends and head on over to where you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And in the meantime, stay awesome because you are freaking awesome. Awesome.